What's up, everybody? This is the Let's Talk 412 podcast. I am your host, Chris Halleck, and we are bringing you episode number two here on this Pittsburgh-based podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, We're going to be talking all three teams here today. And it's going to get a little intense at times, I I feel, at least. Um, We're going to hit up the Pirates' struggles recently and really my frustrations there. We're going to hit the Penguins and their options for uh, third-line center or just bottom six in general. And I'm going to give my thoughts on Le'Veon Bell and this whole situation that's played out in the offseason. I want to start off by talking Pirates, and the Pirates have lost a lot recently. And it's really frustrating more than anything because they were so close. They were, I think, within two and a half games at their closest. And they, I just got their uh, results on my phone. They just lost again to the Dodgers, and that's not a big surprise because everybody's losing to the Dodgers. But they're losing a lot. Um, As it stands right now, the Pirates are sitting seven and a half games out of first place. They are 60 and 66. The Chicago Cubs have woken up and they're sitting at 66 and 57, two and a half games ahead of Milwaukee. Now, I want to tell you something that Chicago and Milwaukee has done that the Pirates have not done. They've acquired players. Significant players. Not huge players, but significant players. The Chicago Cubs acquired Jose Quintana, who is thought of to be a at least a number two pitcher in a rotation. On some really bad teams, he would definitely be the ace of that staff. Either way, he is a very impressive arm that can definitely be a great addition to any team's rotation. The Milwaukee Brewers have acquired Pittsburgh born and raised second baseman Neil Walker. Even though he is making a he's making significant money, but he's still a significant player. And he can contribute and help Milwaukee. The Pirates have acquired Sean Rodriguez. Now, I don't get me wrong. I don't hate Sean Rodriguez. Uh, I don't love him, but I don't hate him. I think that some teams, some good teams, need a player like Sean Rodriguez. Somebody who can be that super utility guy. Somebody who can who you can plug in at just about any position on the field, and he's going to give you solid effort, and every now and then is going to give you one heck of a night. But that's not the type of move that a team makes that is trying to win and say, oh, well, that was our move. That's it. No, it needs to be more than that. Especially when you're in this bad of a division. The division is horrible. It's not been until recently that the Cubs have been playing well. 
they've been sitting at in third and fourth place in in the division for a good portion of the season. And here recently, they're getting better. They're playing better. They're starting to gel. And now they're in first place. When the Pirates went on, I believe I think it was twelve and two before the All Star break, they could have made moves. They could have made moves. Some people are saying, "Oh, they should have acquired Curtis Granderson." Okay, well, I'm not huge on that move either. I wouldn't have been completely opposed to it. Because if the Pirates do make the playoffs, which they're not going to now, but if they were to have made the playoffs, you're not going to have Starling Marte. So you would need another outfielder that you could put out there every day. Now, some people can say Jose Asuna or whoever else you want to plug plug in out there, but Curtis Granderson would have been another option, and he's a left-handed hitter, so that could have helped too. It just shows what I was talking about last time, that the Pirates are not doing enough to win. They can say whatever they want to say. They're not doing enough to win. You don't make these types of moves, or lack thereof, and turn around and tell the fans, we're doing everything we can to win. Well, no, you're not. You're, you're just not. And you can try to feed it to the fans on social media. You can feed it to the fans in interviews. You can feed it to the fans at fan fests in the offseason. You're not going to sell me on it. And you're not going to sell a, a portion of Pirates fans. Unfortunately, a good amount of Pirates fans right now are drinking the, the Bob Nutting Kool-Aid. And the Neil Huntington Kool-Aid. Whatever flavor it is, it's got to be tasting good because I don't... I don't see it. They're putting it out there, and I'm like, no, I don't believe you. If your big move this season was acquiring Sean Rodriguez, it's it just it baffles me that some people would think, oh, yeah, the Pirates are doing whatever they can to win. No, they're not. Put that in your mind right now. They are not doing whatever they can to win. It's just not happening. If any season was the season to try to win this division, it's this year. The division has has not been this bad in a while. And in 2015, the third place team won 97 games. So this division is usually really good, and this year it's been really bad. So if any season was the season to do it, it was this year. And you haven't done it. You haven't made the moves to do it. You could have acquired Jose Quintana. You would have had to pay a hefty price in prospects. But you could have acquired him. Talks with the White Sox were there. They pretty much... I've heard different rumors and we'll never know what what the true offers on the table were. I've heard Austin Meadows. I've heard um, Tyler Glass now. I've heard Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now. And for me, even if it were Austin Meadows and Tyler Glasnow, I would have done it. And you can call me crazy if you think if you think that's crazy. Okay, then I'm crazy. But if uh, giving up Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows gets me a pitcher that can win 15 games, 
I'm going to do it. Because right now there's not a pitcher in the rotation that's going to win 15 games. Avon Nova has 11 right now, and Garrett Cole has 10. Maybe both of them get to 15. But even if they do, wouldn't have been wouldn't it be great to have three pitchers in the rotation that win 15 games instead of two? And wouldn't it be better to have three guys in your four-man rotation in the playoffs that could go out there and throw a gem instead of two? It'd be nice to have. I'm it'd be really really nice to have. And I'm not saying that if the Pirates would have acquired Jose Quintana, they'd be in first place right now. But it'd be one move that first off shows fans that you're willing to do what it takes. And it would be a move that shows, hey, our rotation is pretty good, but we it can be better. Instead of going out there and giving the Kool-Aid, we're happy with our rotation right now. I think they're going to do uh, some really good things. we got some good arms in there, and we trust them. I hear the Kool-Aid every single year. Going into spring training throughout the year, it's the same Kool-Aid. I ain't drinking it. It ain't happening. It's just this frustration that the Pirates say they're they're willing to do whatever it takes to win. Look at the Steelers and the Penguins. Look at what those teams do. They do whatever it takes to win. And right now, both teams are contenders for their league's championships. The Penguins are back-to-back champions. And the Steelers were one game away from the Super Bowl last year and are a Super Bowl contender this year. The Pirates are not even a contender in a horrible division. And they could be. That's the frustrating part of it. They could be. This is a team that won 98 games not even two whole years ago. And they can't even win a division where the winner is going to win maybe 90 games. Maybe. It's sad. It's just really sad. We're going to push forward in the show. Uh, We're going to talk some Penguins. I was on the Let's Talk Pens podcast. Um, I think it was last week. My days all run together. And uh, it was a really good talk. I really enjoyed myself. I definitely want to do it again. Uh, some really good hockey talk with those guys. Um, I'm collaborating with uh, Austin, who uh, hosts the uh, Let's Talk Pens podcast. And we're going to do a Connor McDavid versus Sidney Crosby uh, debate. Or just, I don't even know, know if it's going to be a debate. It's just going to be, you know... Connor McDavid was ranked number one uh, out of the top 20 centers on NHL Network. And so we're going to say, okay, well, is Connor McDavid the best center or is Sidney Crosby the best center? Because you can make arguments for both. You really could. So we're just going to talk about that. So uh, some really good things happening happening over at Let's Talk Pens. Um, we're going to keep going here. Uh and one of the things that we did talk about on that podcast a little bit was uh, lineup projections. And one of the things that we can be talking about um, 
really until <laughs> a major move happens, whether it be before the season or whether it be um, November, December, January, or right at the trade deadline. Uh, the Penguins need some third-line center help. Um, a lot of pieces from last year's team. And you you look at a lot of the guys that have left, and it's a lot of those things that the Penguins didn't have before these last two seasons when they won the Stanley Cup. A lot of the times when the Penguins have been making their runs, they've had really good top scoring you know, on their top two lines. And then the third line, it's like, okay, they've had guys like Jordan Stahl, who's you know a solid player. They've had guys like Brandon Sutter, who's a solid player. And maybe a couple, maybe one or two pieces, and then after that, it's like a huge drop-off in guys who can produce. Some guys who are really good in the corners and really good energy guys, but you can't have three or four of those type of guys on your team and expect to be really, really good or at least be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And people in Pittsburgh have been thinking for so long that, oh, well, we got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, so we always have a chance. Well, yes, that's true to a point, but not completely true. Like, well, as long as we have Sidney Crosby, we're going to have a legitimate chance of winning the Cup. Well, if you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin goes down and Phil Kessel goes down and Patrick Hornquist goes down and he's really your only legitimate scoring option, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup. Your best player plays a third of the time on the ice. You need, especially in today's NHL, you need scoring. And that's something that the Penguins have had on all four lines for the last two seasons. Nick Bonino is that same type of center. Jordan Stahl, Brandon Sutter, Nick Bonino, those three guys are similar types of centers. And the main thing, and really the loss of Matt Cullen is going to be huge because he was a fourth-line center that could kill penalties and was huge in providing a scoring touch from the fourth line. It was so key in this. I mean, I just think about a couple. I think about games like against the Rangers in the 2016 run where the Penguins are needing needing a score, and you're like, come on, Crosby, you can score. Come on, Malkin, you can get you know get us this lead back. And then it's a guy like Matt Cullen who scores. And the thing is, is that it didn't surprise a lot of people that it was Matt Cullen who scored the goal because a lot of people really like Matt Cullen. And the reason why they like him is because, well, he's just a really solid player, even for being 40 years old. He's just a solid player. He has a scoring touch. He kills penalties. He's a smart player. There's a reason why teams that win have guys like Matt Cullen on their team. And the Penguins don't have that right now. So I believe Rutherford will make a move at some point. I don't think it happens before the season. I, I, I think Rutherford's been pretty clear that he wants to make a move, but he's and, and he's saying there are guys that I could acquire, but they either cost a lot, so he doesn't want to sell the farm, you know, so to speak. And we're just talking about pirates selling the farm, but he doesn't want to sell the farm just to get a third line center. 
You know, he doesn't think that, hey, if I sell the farm and get a third line center, that's going to push us over the edge and make us cup, legitimate cup contenders again. Rutherford's smarter than that. He knows that it takes more than just one guy on your third line to build a Stanley Cup contender. And right now your fourth line center is Carter Rowney, and nothing against Carter Rowney, but he's not Matt Cullen. So we'll see what happens there if there's any kind of trickle-down effect whenever a third-line center is acquired, whoever it may be. Uh, there's a lot of names being thrown out. The The pipe dream is Matt Duchesne, and it's not going to happen. Um, names that I hear that intrigue me, uh, Tyler Bozak kind of intrigues me. I just don't know how realistic that trade is. Uh, a guy who I really like and I've been able to watch because I'm, I live in Dallas is Cody Eakin. I really think he's a solid player. Uh, I just don't know how realistic of a trade that is either because Vegas has been pretty open saying I don't want to or that they don't want to get rid of more forwards. So it would cost more than it usually would if Vegas had a lot of forwards and they were say, here, we'll give you Cody Eakin uh, and you don't have to pay that much. But now they're like, okay, well, we need forwards and so if you want a guy like Cody Eakin, you can have him, but it's going to cost an extra draft pick or it's going to cost a Connor Sheary. So, and that's where it gets a little murky. Like, do you really want to trade Connor Shearer for Cody Eakin? Now, I'm not saying that's been reported, but just throwing hypotheticals out there. So, to start off the season, there's some candidates of who the third-line center could be on opening night. And we're not even in training camp yet, so there's still a lot to be written on this. So, a lot of this is just speculation on my part and anything else that I've heard either on Twitter or just on Google or whatever you know, on whatever other sites that I've read on. A name that I keep hearing that's really intriguing and kind of confuses me is Jake Gensel. Uh, he's a natural center, but at the same time, the chemistry with Sidney Crosby is remarkable, and I just can imagine what those guys could do with a whole season of playing together. I just don't... I don't know if the Penguins are ready or if Mike Sullivan is ready to split those guys up based on the chemistry that they had last year. Now, Mike Sullivan isn't afraid to break up a line if a line stops working. Uh, he did that last year. A lot of people thought didn't agree with it whenever he broke up Sid and the kids. It got to a point in the playoffs where it wasn't working, so he broke it up. And, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to not trust Mike Sullivan, uh, you know, a coach that's just got – you know, back-to-back Stanley Cups to Pittsburgh, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna not trust him when it comes to breaking up lines. But you've got to think that the majority of the time last season, especially in the regular season, when that line played together, they had amazing chemistry. So I don't see that line breaking up, uh, even though people have said Jake Gensel is a candidate, and I believe he's a candidate. I just don't think that's it's definitely not going going to be the long-term solution. I don't think the Penguins, Jim Rutherford, um, Mike Sullivan, or anybody thinks that Jake Gensel is the third-line center of the fu- of the future for the Penguins. Somebody who we talked about on the Let's Talk Pens podcast and uh, has just been written about uh, by Cody on the Let's Talk Pens site is uh, Brian Rust, who does have limited um, playing time at center, mainly in juniors and a little in college, but... Um, He's played the center position before. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, 
I, I think the Penguins think of Brian Rust as a winger. But it, it's it's something to, to think about. You know, could you see Brian Rust being the center? Well, maybe. Um, you know, I think about his game and what he brings to the table. He's got awesome speed. He's got a scoring touch. Uh, he's good on the forecheck. Uh, and he kills penalties. And that meets a lot of the criteria for the type of center, the type of player that, that the Penguins have at the third line center spot. But, you know, how is he going to be on faceoffs? Because that's a huge part of it. Because Jordan Stahl, Nick Benino, and Brandon Sutter were all either decent or good faceoff guys. So you got to wonder, okay, well, how is Brian Rust going to be at that level? And if he's not good at faceoffs, is it really worth it to have a guy who's going to be killing penalties when you need to win faceoffs? Are you going to have a guy like Brian Rust out there? Um, I don't think that's a legitimate option. Uh, I've heard the name thrown out there outside of just our conversation here between the writers at Let's Talk Pens, but um, I've heard a little bit of speculation, but I honestly don't think it's going to happen. If I were a betting man, I would say, no, it's not going to happen. I think the Penguins think of Brian Rust as a winger, and I think they're going to keep him there. Uh, another name that I keep hearing is Zach Aston Reese, and that is an option. He's a, another natural center, but again, it's one of the situations where are the Penguins thinking of him as a winger, to place, you know, some people have said, well, he's kind of being bred to be the uh, Patrick Hornquist Jr. You know, so if that's the case, then he's going to have to play on a wing. Um, you just wonder about uh, stuff like that. And even if he is being considered uh, to be a third-line center, he's going to have to have an impressive camp um, and impressive uh, showing in the preseason games. Um, having no NHL experience, uh, making it onto the third line whenever there are guys like a, even a Carter Rowney who not just have NHL experience but l- really legitimate NHL experience, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, that probably deserve a spot on the third line center ahead of a guy like Reese. Um you know, Dom, uh, Dominic Simon is another guy who you could think of as as a candidate. And th- the thing is, is that as I'm naming these guys off, people are probably thinking, well, no, I don't like Jake Gensel. You know, I want him on Crosby's wing. Well, I don't like Brian Russ. He's a winger. Or uh, Zach Aston Reese, that's a possibility, but, you know, he's never been in the NHL. Or uh, Dominic Simon, uh, you know, maybe could be a fourth line center, but really a third line center. And even if he is the fourth line center, that would make Carter Rowney the third line center. I don't think Carter Rowney's a third line center. The whole point is that the Penguins don't have the third line center that's going to be there come April. I and I believe that I would I would bet money on that. Whoever is going to be the third line center on opening night or even throughout the entire month of October, if a trade isn't made, that is not going to be the guy on the third line taking face-offs come April. A move will be made. Everybody have faith in Jim Rutherford. He is going to make a move when he seems when he seems or when he deems necessary. He he will make the move. A lot of people were thinking when Mike Johnston was the coach, and the Penguins were starting off really bad. People wanted to fire Johnston after five games, and Jim Rutherford's like, I'm not going to fire him after five games. 
people wanted to fire him after 10 games. And Rutherford's like, I'm not going to fire him after 10 games. And people started getting frustrated with Rutherford because he wasn't firing him quick enough. It was one of those things where it was inevitable. If the Penguins kept going on this slope and they kept going and they kept going and they were playing either mediocre hockey or they weren't playing good hockey, either way, they weren't a Stanley Cup contender at the time. Rutherford was going to make the move, and it came at the time where Rutherford said, okay, enough is enough. Mike, i got to let you go. The team isn't doing what it should be doing. We're going to make a move, and the rest is history there. Bottom line, trust Jim Rutherford in this situation. Um, There are candidates internally, but just remember that they're temporary. No matter who the third-line center is on the night where they raise the banner, Uh, at PPG Paints Arena. That's not going to be the guy come April. All right, we're going to switch to our final topic, um, and it's going to be uh, Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to try to keep this short. I'm trying to keep most podcasts to 30 minutes. If I go a little bit over, uh, I apologize. I don't want this to be a rant of an hour or anything like that of just one guy talking uh, I want to keep people's attention. <laughs> um, there's a lot of opinions, a lot of takes going on about Le'Veon Bell right now. And I, I, I will tell you right now, I, I've i been drinking the Le'Veon Bell Kool-Aid. And I've been drinking it since really the night that he was drafted. Uh, the night that he was drafted, I was hoping Eddie Lacy was going to be um, the running back that the Steelers drafted because I knew the Steelers were going to draft a running back. I wanted it to be Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy was drafted, so I'm like, well, crap. Who are they going to get? And then they draft Le'Veon Bell. And I'm like, oh, well, I kind of know him. I watched some highlight package of him for, from his days in Michigan State, and I was like, wow, if that guy can take his game to the next level and play anything like that at the NFL level, he's going to be a star. And that's exactly what he's done. And pretty much ever since then, I've been drinking the Le'Veon Bell Kool-Aid. Now, I will say I've been frustrated with the -the off-the-field issues. The injuries don't frustrate me as much. Um, Injuries happen. Uh, You know, the Vontez perfect hit on the knee. Unfortunately, stuff like that happens, especially when you play a criminal. Um... And don't worry, he's not going to hear anything I say because he blocked me on Twitter. So, um, when it, the off the field stuff frustrated me, but you know, after the situation with Legarrette Blunt, and then you know the missed drug test or drug tests, you get frustrated with a guy like that. You know, no matter what the story was, and even if you believe the story that, hey, I didn't update my contact information and uh, I'm innocent in all this and I'm getting suspended again, either way, you know, whatever the story is, you just, you hope that he's gotten past it all. You know, you hope that he has the focus that a star running back needs in order to help a team get to or win the Super Bowl. And... Man, he has, when he's on the field, he has done everything possible to show that he is a guy who can help the Steelers win a Super Bowl. 
I mean, the guy is, in my opinion, the best running back in the league. And I don't say that as a Steelers fan. I say that from a completely subjective point of view of just looking at the type of running back that he is. He's a threat in every facet of the game. He's a threat in between the tackles. He's a threat outside the tackles. He's a threat in the passing game. He can run you over. He can jump over you. He can juke you. It doesn't matter. He can do everything, and he can do everything very, very well. And there's not another running back in the league that can do everything that he can do as well as he can do it. There might be a running back that can do one thing better than him, but not everything better than him. And so through the play that he has had over the you know course of his career, his value has just gone up and up and up and up and up. And it's gotten to a point now where Le'Veon Bell's got to get paid. And somebody's going to pay him. And he's going to get paid either uh, via contract or via t- uh, franchise tag. He's going to get paid. And he deserves to be paid. The numbers that he's put up from the running back position are numbers that are staggering. Uh, numbers that any team would welcome and any team would pay uh, to have a, a man of his talent in their backfield. And this is where I'm with Le'Veon Bell. I believe the dude deserves to be paid whatever he wants. He wants $15 million. He should deser- He should get $15 million a year. Uh, that's what I believe. Uh, he... he <laughs> He's a, he's a running back that can catch 80 passes a year. And not catch 80 passes and average three yards per catch. 80 passes and be a threat to score on a lot of those catches. The guy is an absolute monster. And the only thing working against him right now in terms of getting that $15 million a year is his lack of playing a full 16 games in a season. Either he's been healthy the whole year or been healthy enough to play the whole year and he's been suspended or he has gotten hurt and missed time because of injury. Now, obviously the injuries aren't his fault. The injuries happen. The suspensions you could have prevented. You could have not gotten high on the way to work. Uh, You could have made sure that you were doing everything you can to... Make sure your contact information was getting updated and making sure that you were taking all your drug tests that you needed to take for the NFL. You could have done everything that you could have done. And a lot of the -the off-the-field stuff would have been resolved. And if you wouldn't have gotten high in the first place, you wouldn't have had to take all these random drug tests for the NFL. To me, that's the only thing working against him for getting whatever he wants in a contract. Whoever, whoever pays it to him. Here's where I'm not with Le'Veon Bell. Holding out when there's no chance of getting a contract extension. It got to a certain point, you was like, okay, well, there's a deadline. We get past the deadline, we don't have a contract extension in place. <laughs> (laughs) 
you got to sign your franchise tag. That's the only way you're going to play. We can't negotiate anymore. So let's try to get this contract nailed out. Let's get it done. So you can report to training camp. You can get ready to to try to win number seven with the rest of your team. And it all starts at St. Vincent's in Latrobe. And let's get it started. Deadline comes. No contract extension. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell's not happy because he wants the contract. The Steelers aren't happy because they didn't get the contract extension worked out with Le'Veon Bell. And I'm not going to speculate on whatever the story is, whether the Steelers say, oh, we had an agreement, the agent agreed, but Le'Veon Bell didn't agree. Or whatever the story is, I don't care. Because to me, it's irrelevant from from the perspective that I'm talking about, and that's the fact that it didn't get done either way. It didn't get done. So... Okay, well, it didn't get done. We can't negotiate until the season's over. So Steelers are like, hey, Le'Veon, sorry we couldn't get it worked out. So are you going to come to training camp? Nope. Why? Uh, see, I deserve this type of money, and you didn't give it to me. So I'm going to send a message. Well, really, the only message that that's sending to a person like me is that your value and your worth are way more important than a Super Bowl trophy. And don't get me wrong. I know Le'Veon Bell wants to win a Super Bowl. I know he does. He's an, he's an athlete. He's a competitor. He wants to win. I know he does. But he's not going about it the right way. The right way would have been, you know what? I really wanted that contract. I really did. They didn't give it to me. I'm kind of pissed off about it, but you know what? I'm going to use that as I'm going to use that as fuel to stick it to the man. I'm going to show up at training camp. I'm going to blow them away. I'm going to play my one or two series in preseason. I'm going to blow them away. We're going to play in the regular season. The Browns don't stand a chance in week one. They don't stand a chance either way, but. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to play in the regular season. I'm going to blow them away even more. And we're going to get to the playoffs. And if we win the Super Bowl, man, I'm going to have him over a barrel. And you know what? He would. But right now, all he's doing is he is damaging relationships more than he is helping them. And whether it be to send a message, whatever the reason is, it's the wrong reason. And I'm not saying that I'm, and he can, I mean, if he ever hears this, and if he does, Le'Veon, I love you. But I'm not a professional athlete. I've never been in that situation. I'm never going to be in that situation. I'm nowhere near as talented at the game of football as Le'Veon Bell is if he were blinded and uh, lame. But. I understand that fans have this misconception of what loyalty actually is. Fans just think that players need to be loyal for the sake of loyalty. Like, hey, you play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the best franchise in in the NFL. It should be a privilege for you to play for them. I, I think he does think it's a privilege to play for the Steelers. At the same time... 
if you know, for example, let, let's bring this down to to my world. Let's bring this down to our world. The outside of professional athlete, you know, outside of professional athletes, you know, the people that work nine to five Monday through Friday. If I'm making $14 an hour at a job and I'm doing really good, you know, I'm, 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 you know, really happy with the $14 an hour, but then I start really kicking major butt at my job. I start, I'm doing a lot of extra stuff. I'm helping out other guys. I'm helping doing whatever, you know, whatever my job tasks are. I'm exceeding them majorly. My, my, my manager is seeing that he's like, man, you are, you're killing it every day. You're doing your job. You're helping other people do their job. You're doing awesome. And raise time comes around. The company's like, yeah, we're going to be able to give raises and you get 10 cents or a quarter. And you're like, well, wait a minute. For the job that I'm doing, and f- through my math, I probably deserve about another dollar or two dollars. That's a big race. But, <laughs> you know, and you give me crap. You give me nothing. You're going to be a little upset. Le'Veon Bell's thinking, yeah, I'm guaranteed $12 million, but I'm worth 15 And for us, it's like, that's $3 million. You're going to be making $12 million. Well, yeah. But $15 million is still more than $12 million, significantly. $3 million is a lot of money. I, I'm no mathematician, so my math may be way off here, but I'm pretty sure I won't ever make $3 million in my life. If I added it up, I might. I have no idea. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not even going to try. But that's a lot of money. And for Le'Veon Bell, that's a lot of money. We look at it from the outside as saying, well, you know, it's only $3 million, Le'Veon. You should have just agreed to a contract for $12 million a year. Yeah, well, that's not the way he sees it, and I kind of understand that. But here's what I'm saying from the other side. Le'Veon, I don't like the fact that you are sending a message to the team. I don't like the fact that you didn't get your contract, so you decided that, well, I'm just not going to show up to training camp. Those other guys can go through the through the through the two a days. They can go through uh, the the heat on the fields at St. Vincent's. I'm not going to go through all that. I'm going to do my cone drills. I'm going to do all my workouts on my own. It creates segregation in the locker room. You don't have that. The players talk about it all the time. You 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 have this cohesiveness that starts at training camp. That starts at OTAs. It starts at mini camp. The cohesiveness starts then, and Le'Veon didn't get to experience any of that. Training camp's over. There's there's reports that he is supposed to show up uh, to Steelers practice facility uh, and starting to report to Steelers practices after the third preseason game, which is this Saturday. You know that's fine and good, but he's gonna have you know two weeks to get ready for the season with the rest of his team, and he's missing on an important week this week. Because Mike Tomlin is pretty much simulating a game 
what it will be like getting ready for a game every week this upcoming season. And I'm sure Le'Veon's thinking, well, I go through that every year. I've gone through it every year. I don't need to go through it again. Well, again, you're going through it with players you've never played with before. You're going through it with guys like James Conner, who's never played in the NFL before. You're going with guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's another rookie. You're going through guys on the defensive side. It's all a part of that cohesiveness. And And he's not taking part of it at all because he wants to send a message. I don't know. Le'Veon, tell me. Tell, tell us, why why haven't you shown up? If it's because you didn't get your contract, yeah, that sucks. I'm sure you're mad. I'm kind of mad for you. But at the same time, you can't get your contract till the season's over. So get off your butt. Get to camp. That's what I've been saying along, all along, and that's how I feel about it. Uh, I don't hate the guy. And for Pittsburgh fans who are kind of turning on Le'Veon Bell for the whole thing, I, I got to tell you, you're not going to be complaining much when Le'Veon Bell goes off against Cleveland or when Le'Veon Bell goes off against Minnesota. You're not going to be complaining then, and especially if he's on your fantasy team. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you, if you did, do me a huge uh, favor. If you're listening to this on iTunes, give me a subscribe. Uh, download the episode. That'd be huge. Be doing me such a solid favor. Um, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, give me a follow. Uh, that'd be, again, just doing me a huge solid. Um, if you want to, follow me on Twitter. Uh, the podcast Twitter is at 412podcast. Um, the, uh, my, my personal Twitter is at Chalik, C-H-A-L-I-C-K-E. Um, we're going to be trying to get out a podcast about every week, every other week. I, I don't know how often I want to do them yet. Um, just kind of feeling this out to start out. Uh, but I'm having a good time. I hope you guys are too. Um, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much. Peace out.